It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Before this episode begins, I want to tell you about something a little time sensitive that I'm part of, which is a three-day virtual conference called Love Yourself First, How to Develop Supportive Friendships and Meaningful Relationships. This is really up my alley. I think it's up your alley too, given the topics that I cover. And this is actually something that I was invited to by a previous podcast guest, Coach Lee Hopkins, who did an episode with me in August 2022, invited me to speak and be part of this wonderful group of people. And the conference is taking place February 10th through February 12th, 2023. And there you can learn some different tactics to loving yourself, creating lasting connections that will enrich, enrich your life. This is a paid conference. And so full transparency. There is a small fee involved with it. And I have a promo code. The promo code is, let me pull it up, uncomfortable. 20. So uncomfortable, just like this might get uncomfortable, but uncomfortable 20. And you guessed it, that'll take 20% off the cost of the ticket. And I'll receive a small fraction of that. And the rest of the money goes towards running the event. And if you want to invite a friend to this and buy two tickets in the same transaction, you actually get a 50% off discount on the second ticket. So if you're looking to deepen your relationships, create more joy, affection, and really just learn from people like myself, from Coach Lee, all the amazing speakers that he has brought together for this, you can go to the link in the description. It's a little long. The full link is alwaysloveyourselffirst.eventbrite.com, and that's where you'll en enter that promo code uncomfortable twenty two zero. And I'll put it in the description of this episode and also in the show notes so that you can easily click through and check it out. See if it's a fit for you. Use a discount, invite your friends, share, spread the message if you would like. And now on to the episode. The first episode of this podcast came out just over three years ago. I thought today was the actual three-year anniversary the day of the release, at least. <laughs> it turns out that it's a few days past. The first episode came out on December 13th, 2019. And it's such an interesting time to look back on for so many reasons. One is that the pandemic started shortly after that, which, as I've mentioned, led to some interesting developments with the show. Because in the very beginning, I was deeply passionate about recording in person with my then co-host Jason and with all of our guests. And we knew that that was preventing us from having certain types of guests. But at the time, we just thought that it would sound so much better. <laughs> and now I can't even imagine doing all those recordings in person, especially now that I'm so much more aware of my energy levels and how drained I get just from doing virtual recordings. I've admitted in the past how it's hard for me to gear up the energy to do the show. I think one major drawback to doing it all on my own without Jason, without a co-host, is that it's entirely up to me. When Jason used to be on the show, sometimes I would rely on him to really lead the show when I was feeling low energy. But I didn't really like showing up that way. So I'm glad that I'm doing it on my own. And I fell into a rhythm that has really worked well for me now for over a year. It's been almost exactly a year since the last episode with Jason. And now this is the 407th episode. And I've mentioned this before, how some people are really amazed. Even friends of mine who have had podcasts for much longer than I have haven't even crossed that many episodes. And speaking of energy, 
a lot of people wonder, how do I have the energy and even the time to do so many episodes of the show right now? A new one releases on Monday, like today's episode and Friday with a guest. And I've thought about cutting down to just one episode a week, but there's just something about those two days just feels fulfilling. And that's going to tie into the theme of this episode, which is having clarity on what feels fulfilling and nourishing, especially when it comes to work and how to deal with things like burnout. I'm going to share some behind the scenes about how I work and how I overcome things, how I think about things. I might do some processing out loud because there's some things I'm really stuck on And I feel like if I can just say them because I'm an out loud processor, maybe I'll have some clarity because I feel this internal stuckness, which I know is very common. A lot of people use that word stuck. It comes up a lot in my private coaching sessions as I have embarked upon my emotional well-being coach journey. That is one of the most common things. And I think a lot of people turn to coaching and find the advantage of coaching to be that out loud processing and hearing things reflected back to you. So I might do some of that. I'm also going to go through some well-being coaching techniques that could hopefully help you as well because it is such a common thing. And here we are at the end of a year where you might be reflecting on how this year went, how you want 2023 to be. Speaking of this time, one thing I found really interesting and kind of ties in but isn't directly related to this topic is money. I guess that's a big part of this, but not exactly what I'm going to focus on today. It seems to me like a lot of people are struggling financially. And it's interesting because that's mostly from anecdotal things I'm seeing on TikTok and how people are sharing budgeting tips now more than I've ever noticed before. They're talking about inflation and the recession. I'm seeing people lose their jobs. I'm seeing people struggle to get work. I'm seeing rent go up and people realizing that they might be making more money, but they're not actually able to save much more because everything's getting more expensive. And I'm noticing this too. In fact, I'm getting a little bit of a sinking feeling or a tightness in my chest right now because a number of virtual things that I use for my business as part of Wellevator and the podcast, as part of my work as a coach, my work as a consultant in the marketing world, a lot of these digital tools that I depend on are going up in price. And it freaks me out like a lot of people. But I will continue to be very transparent that right now I'm still in a stage of probably the most financial stability I've experienced in such a long time, especially this year in 2022. And I say that to be very transparent, not as a brag and not as a, hey, look at what I accomplish. If you know me at all, I'm not a believer anymore. I used to believe this, that, oh, if I can do it, so can you. Now I'm acutely aware that everybody has very different circumstances and there's so much privilege that goes into things. And I will share in transparency a lot of my process, just if you're curious, but it's not meant to be, if I can do it, so can you. It's just sharing some of the clarity, I suppose. My financial stability right now comes mostly from my clients. I have two clients that I've been working with consistently. One of them has been about two and a half years. And the other is, I think, a year and a half-ish, maybe not quite, like a year and a few months. And I work with them both on the marketing side of things. As I mentioned, that that's been part of my work in many different ways, since around 2009, I think, maybe 2010, when I started learning about social media and coaching people on that and finding that that was a strength of mine that I really enjoyed. There's something about social media that I'm very, very drawn to. I think many people feel that way now, but on different levels. It's become a very common line of work, which is interesting because when I started way back then, people barely understood it. They didn't really take it that seriously. And so I had this advantage of understanding something and having experience in it. And all of that helped me. And that's part of the privilege. Sometimes just having an advantage because you happen to be interested in something is a privilege because I think that's a lot of luck. I think I was lucky to have stumbled into social media. I also had the privilege of understanding technology when I was very little. 
I have the privilege of the way my brain works, as I've talked about with my exploration for neurodivergence. I think just the way my brain structured or wired for whatever reason, like I just understood technology in a way I noticed at a young age, other people didn't. And yet I had this big creative draw. So I didn't even lean into the technology side of it for so long because I wanted to do creative work. I wanted to be an actress for a while. I wanted to be a film director and writer and producer, editor. And I worked in that realm for a long time. Then I transitioned into social media and all of the marketing work I was doing was on the side. Again, because it was a skill, but not a passion. And that's interesting because that's going to loop into this talk today. And, And my aim here, as always, is to just share with transparency just to share. I guess people like to listen (laughs) to stuff like that. I'm laughing because it's such a surreal experience to talk for an hour because it feels simultaneously like in my ego and all about me. But I have this deep desire to make it about you too, right? What's the point if this isn't about you as well, or at least gives you some sort of something? I don't see this as like entertainment. (laughs) Maybe it is. My hope is like, Maybe you're reflecting on the things that you are naturally good at, naturally gifted in, the skills that you have that maybe you don't recognize as skills. Many of us have something of value to offer people, most of us. I won't say all, because I suppose it's possible that somebody out there has nothing to offer others, although that sounds kind of sad. I'm not a big fan of the word all, because how could we ever know if everybody experiences the same thing. If your brain is wired a certain way, there's a privilege if you were raised with things that other people didn't have, even if they weren't expensive things like monetary things, but you could have been raised with great work ethic. You could have been raised with really loving parents. I can't remember if I've mentioned this in an episode. A little while back, I saw this profound point in a TikTok video saying that loving, supportive parents is a privilege because not everybody has that. It's not always about money being a privilege or your background or whatever external privileges we might have. Sometimes love in itself is a privilege. Having a safe, supportive space, whatever that looks like, is a big, big privilege that I had in a lot of ways. Now, granted, there were some emotional struggles that I've experienced and some traumas developed from some of the ways that I was raised But that's a whole other story that I'm not into today. I had parents that believed in me. My parents were rooting for me. My parents paid for my college education. My parents also leaned into the creative things I wanted to do along with me, which I recognized back then was a privilege because I would hear people say, like, I want to pursue something creatively, but my parents won't let me. They won't let me study that in college. They want me to go, whatever cliche, like a doctor or something. Like a lot of parents seem very motivated to encourage their kids to do things for financial benefit. And that in itself is interesting. Like that ties into this topic of how do we maneuver life? Finances are big. I get very excited about finances. I think maybe the advantage that I had of my parents talking a lot about money with me they really encouraged me to make my own money from a young age. And maybe that just like fed into the excitement I would get every time I could make money. So I started to develop that as a skill, like being creative just in terms of money making. And yet I struggle a lot currently in my life and probably have for a while, but I'm acutely aware right now that I don't just like doing things for money. I mentioned seeing a lot of videos about like the culture of money right now and people financially struggling. It also seems like because of that struggle, people are becoming very creative about ways to make money, right? A lot of talk about side hustles, a lot of talk about getting certain levels of jobs and how to work from home and make XYZ. There's talks about things like user-generated content, UGC, which is really interesting for me having the content creator background because... The difference is for many years, for most of this time of social media, it's been about the person, the influencer is the most common term, somebody who is really talented in whatever way, whether it's being in camera and talking, performing, or just recording cool videos. Like you don't even have to see someone's face, but maybe they have really good style with camera or editing style and they just storytelling abilities, all of that. Now there's this trend of using, especially the latter skills, 
to create this user-generated content and sell that to brands. So it's not about the influencer. It's not about that personality. It's about the content. And I have a lot of mixed feelings about that, which I'm going to try to put into words. One of the big reasons that I stepped away from producing my own social media content on a regular basis, if you haven't noticed, I barely do social media posts. I ironically am spending most of my time advising other people on their social media. And sometimes I think like, huh, is that out of alignment? (laughs) I feel like people probably expect me to be doing all this social, but maybe they don't realize that that's what I used to do. And I got so burnt out on that. It was draining. And one of the things that really drained me was the financial side of it. That hustle I've talked about many times on this show was crippling for me. In some ways, almost literally, the burnout became so immense that I felt unable to do it. And it's been years since I felt that way. In fact, it's coming up on three years because I remember how intense I felt in the beginning of 2020 before the pandemic started. I remember being in my bathroom for some reason. I think I was actually trying to create some content. And there was one brand deal I was doing back then. And it was makeup or body care related. And I just felt such a fraud's not quite the right word, but it was like posing with makeup and posing with body care. I'm like, this isn't me. I think I tried to make that me for many years previously to that because that was like the big style for so long on YouTube and on Instagram was like these perfect photos of smiling and holding up the product next to you and editing everything to just look bright and happy and all that stuff. And it drew people in for a long time. I don't think that works as well anymore. People start to see through that. They don't see that as authentic and real anymore. And I want to be authentic and real. Those are part of my core values. So it just didn't feel right. But I felt all this pressure. Like that's what the brand wanted me to do. And that's what the social media algorithms seemed to be favoring was like put on this facade. And if you've heard me talk the last few months or so about exploring neurodivergence and learning about masking, I felt like I was wearing a mask. And with that body care campaign in 2020, I remember just thinking like, I feel like I'm pretending to be someone who's not me. Like I'm putting on a show. I'm performing, which might be okay if everybody knew that my career was a performance, but that went against my core values. And to me, content creation was about being myself. It was about making a career out of who I was, not pretending to be someone else. But yet that has become so much of the standard. So as I was stepping back, letting go of Eco Vegan Gal, which was my brand for all many, many years, just like observing, how did it feel to walk away from that? How did it feel to not be known as Eco Vegan Gal? How would it feel to pause on all these social media platforms that I had tens of thousands of followers on? Some people were very perplexed about why I was doing that. But there was like this empowerment and walking away from something like that because I was walking away to honor my values and I was also acknowledging how deeply burnt out I was. And trying to understand the root of the burnout has been multi-year, like almost three years of trying to understand this. Is that right? Am I doing the math right? So it's December 2022. I remember thinking about this a lot in January 2020. So we're almost in January 2023. These last three years like went by very, very fast. Maybe everybody says that about time, but it just knowing that milestone for me. Anyways, to go back to the user-generated content stuff, I think there's just a lot of the financial benefit going on there. And this like really rubs me the wrong way, but yet I see why people are into it. Like I think that creators are into user-generated content because they see it as easy money or they see it as a way to make money from their skills and talents, as I mentioned, which is great. Sounds awesome. Like if you're a talented photographer and videographer, awesome. Like you're creating content and that has been a trade from a long time. And now it's much more accessible. Literally you, the listener right now in this moment, if you could just teach yourself, you don't even have to be naturally skilled or have any background. It's really accessible. And the equipment is so accessible because most of us have a phone and most phones these days have a high quality camera and microphone and there's software that's inexpensive even though the prices of software gone up recently and are going to continue to I'm sure 
it's still accessible and it's still a way that literally anybody, well, <laughs> I promised I wasn't going to say all, everyone, anybody, okay? And even the word literal <laughs> feels a little too much. Most, let's use most, most people could start doing user-generated content. I think that's why we've seen such a boom. People are interested in working from home. People are interested in the side hustle, like I mentioned. People just want to make money. And brands are willing to pay almost anyone who knows how to operate the camera in a certain way and use the right videos, willingness to learn and do things quickly. Like You can get paid handsomely for this. But I think where it's starting to run me the wrong way is that if both sides are very driven by the money, people that are doing that work to make money and the brands are hiring people to do that work so that they can make more money. And it's that capitalistic world that we've entered into with social media where so much of it now is to sell you on something. And the shift I felt in 2022 has been, it feels eerie to me. And this is, I think, maybe something I was starting to sense in 2020 when I was feeling like weird about all the performance I was doing because I was getting paid from a brand sponsor. And I'm like trying to manipulate the audience in a way. Like, let me take the right photo that compels you to read the caption and let me craft the whole social media caption so that compels you to click on my link so the brand can make more money and I can make more money. And let me do that in a way to pretend that I'm not doing this for the money. (laughs) Let me do this in a way that I worked so hard all over those years to only collaborate with brand sponsors that I actually believed in and use their products. But there were certainly times where brands sent me stuff that I'd never used. I would try it out for a few days and I'd say, this sounds cool. I'll promote this. And that was still in alignment with my values, but it was like, I just felt uncomfortable. (laughs) It was that kind of shilling mindset. And This capitalism's takeover of social media has been happening right in front of our eyes. And now even TikTok, the platform that I love more than any other platform, every probably fifth video I watch is either a literal ad. It says ad in the bottom, like it's the brand paid for it and had to do the disclosure that it's an ad, or it's an influencer who got paid by that brand doing a sponsorship video. Or it's somebody who wants to be an influencer and who's working their way up and talking about brands that they love, hoping to go viral and then to get free products and then maybe to get paid for things. Or it's somebody doing a performance because they want to go viral for their personality. It's like all of it just has this capitalistic energy behind it that my beloved TikTok platform is going the way of all of the other social media platforms I have before. And now it's like most of what I'm seeing on there is an ad. Also, the more you engage with the algorithm, the more you're going to see of certain things. Like, I actually really like the roundup video of people talking about a bunch of different products in a video. Like, it excites me because part of me thinks these products are all going to solve a problem to me. Part of me likes the thrill of going on a platform like Amazon, which I don't even feel fully in alignment with value wise. I still shop on Amazon because it's convenient and I can find low-cost things and get them shipped to me and have the whole dopamine rush of waiting for something to come in the mail and then receive the product and then feel a drop in happiness because now the thing's finally arrived and it's no longer as exciting as it used to be and the cycle continues. And then I go back on TikTok and I'm bored and I'm looking for entertainment and I'm looking for a dopamine hit and I see another one of those videos and maybe I buy something and it's like, I'm aware of all this and still participating in it. And then brands reach out to me, still to this day, even though I barely do social, and they want to send me products for free. And there's a little part of me that goes, wow, this is exciting. Getting stuff for free, getting more stuff in the mail. Ooh, this is exciting. This brand values me. But then I realize they're looking for me to either sell to my audience as a quote influencer or do the user-generated content so that they can use it to make more money and keep other people trapped in the same loops. There's nothing wrong with this. It just doesn't feel good to me. It's unsettling. And I feel a little bit differently about the podcast. The last few months, I've had sponsors, Zencaster, the platform that I use for this show, easy sponsor because I fully don't align it with my values. I use Zencaster at least three times a week and it's made my life as a podcaster great. This is not a sponsored episode, 
but I can genuinely talk about Zencaster all the time. I do, online and offline. Athletic Greens, who sponsored, I actually think their product's really cool. And that was fully in alignment with me. So I'm trying not to be hypocritical because I do have sponsors on the show occasionally, but it's not a huge part of my financial income. And I don't want it to be for all these reasons that I've mentioned. There's nothing wrong with making content to make money, but I think it just has changed the dynamic so much. And I think it saddens me because of the love of social media I have and I've had for a long time, the love I have for technology, the love I have for connecting with people. And that's made some things really tricky for me. Like obviously social media, I have this challenging relationship with. Since I don't feel great about doing sponsored posts anymore. It has given me a lot of pause because I'm now thinking like, what is social media these days for someone like me who used to be this content creator slash influencer? I think maybe the last three years, it was like breaking away from that world. Like that was my path for so long. I wanted to become an influencer. I wanted bigger and bigger. I wanted to get brand deals. I wanted to be on television shows and whatever else. Like I wanted the fame and the status and the money. And then the values, I don't know if my values changed, like they were always there and just like hidden or masked. Or if I just started to wake up to like, ooh, this capitalism thing doesn't feel great. And I don't know if I want to be part of this. So with those feelings there, social media has felt really tough. If you don't promote brands, if you're not hawking products and services on social media, you can still participate. Plenty of people use social media just to connect with friends and family. I don't even do that though. Like, (laughs) I feel like even that is a performance. I barely use Facebook. Facebook is mostly for me for DMing certain people that like I don't have a relationship with them to text message them or maybe I don't even have their number. I'll occasionally DM random people on Facebook. (laughs) Like not randomly, but like people in my life that I've known and maybe their acquaintances or family members I'm not frequently in touch with. I think Facebook's nice for that. I think Facebook's nice for Facebook groups too. It's awesome and Facebook Marketplace. But I don't even know what to post on my personal Facebook anymore. It feels deeply uncomfortable (laughs) because what is there to say? When I stepped away from this performance, I realized how much I was posting on even my personal Facebook account that felt like a performance. It's like, hey, look at me. Look what I did. (laughs) I mean, I could go and post my podcast just across three years. I've been doing this for three years. I'm so proud. But that's a look at me post. And actually, I don't even really want to broadcast my podcast to my Facebook. It makes me cringe a little bit because when I joined Facebook so many years ago, it was like, friends from college, high school, family members, and friends. And (laughs) funny enough, like, I don't know how much of this part of my life I want them to see, which is interesting too, because does that say I'm out of alignment? If I am trying to hide or mask, like, am I masking? Which end am I masking on is the question too, because I don't feel like I'm masking right now. I don't feel like I'm performing in this moment. I feel like I'm just talking to you like a friend. That's my aim with these episodes. So does that mean those Facebook people aren't friends? Even the word friend shifted because of Facebook. Maybe that's part of the issue here. In social media marketing, a common practice is to understand your target audience, your demographic. This is one of the first stages of any marketing in general for a business, for a personality. It's like, who are you talking to? Somebody asked me this the other day. I was recording a guest episode for the show. And before we started recording, they asked who the audience was. I said, I actually don't really know who the audience is with the podcast (laughs) because one actual nice element of the podcast is it doesn't have the same type of analytic data like social media platforms do or a lot of digital marketing platforms. They'll tell you all sorts of things. I'm sure you hear a lot about data and people collecting your data. When you go on Facebook and fill out your profile with your name and your gender and your birthday and your location, on and on and on, that's data that on some platforms, if not most platforms, can be passed on and sold. And it's transparent to people like me. If you interact with my page on Facebook, 
I could collect data on you. Now, some of it is a little bit more private and might not be about you specifically, but it's showing me as a whole who are the people that engage with this page, who are the people that follow this account. And people will use that data to target the demographic, either that's engaging the most or the people that they want to reach the most, mostly so that they can get something from them. And maybe that's why I'm so drawn to podcasting because I don't really have that information. It's podcasting for the most part set up that way. I think it's going that direction. And to me, that'd be kind of interesting. I know where people are from. Like That's one thing that's really easy to find out. I can see where the majority of people who listen to this podcast live. Like what country? I can't remember if I can see cities or not. To me, that doesn't really help. <laughs> like I think it's more interesting to know gender and age and all that. So anyways, this podcast guest asked me about this and I'm sitting here thinking like, huh, I don't really know that data and I don't need to. And only time it seems to matter is if someone's, I think in a way, I use this word lightly, like the manipulation tactic. It's like, if I know who you are, then I know how to speak to you. And that sounds like a connection. Maybe it is. But I think for mostly in the marketing world, it's not about connecting. It's about Performing in the sense like, now that I know who you are, I can show up in a certain way to get what I want from you. So this is part of this out loud processing I was mentioning. Saying that out loud gives me so much clarity and helps me understand why podcasting, relatively easy that I can do 407 episodes, that I can talk for an hour. I'm processing out loud. I'm sharing things I'm passionate about. I'm learning like all of this, but it's not a performance And it's not targeting a certain person. In fact, it also gives me clarity because a goal of mine has been to put out a survey or do some sort of outreach to better understand people like you, like who is the listener base for the show? Because I'm not able to just get it from a data analytics standpoint. You would have to send that to me and I would have to collect it from a number of people and then kind of do a analysis and say, okay, the average person that responded falls into these categories. But part of me is unsure if I want to do that. Because now that I'm verbalizing in this moment and processing out loud that I don't need that, maybe I don't even want that. Maybe it's helpful for me to not know. Maybe that keeps me away from the performance because I, as an individual, have a tendency to perform as part of my masking as a people pleaser, feeling like if I give you what you want, you'll stay. And I think that's also why I got burnt out with social media, because I felt deep senses of rejection when people would unfollow me, when people would write mean comments. That hurt really badly. And I spent years trying to figure it out. I've spent years trying to build a thick skin so that that wouldn't bother me. I started focusing on content creation in 2008 and took it very seriously until sometime in 2020, as I mentioned. Okay, so 12 years of trying to build a thick skin never got there. And I didn't understand why. I think I still have some figuring out to do. But in this moment, it makes sense because I was trying to manipulate people in a way to get them to like me, like me, like me, like. And that's so much of social media. Like, give me that thumbs up. Engage with my content. Show me that you care. Communicate with me. That's addictive. I even felt this recently on TikTok. Occasionally, I post TikTok videos. And TikTok is part of my like self-discovery right now with social media because I'm just trying to post things that have nothing to do with building a career. My last bunch of videos are all nature-related. I have one of a really cool hummingbird. That was my most recent post as of the time of this episode, et cetera. Like you go on there, there's praying mantis. That's been a theme. I love nature and animals and just those little small, sweet moments of life that don't need a lot of editing. But those videos don't get much engagement. And that's okay. To me, that's almost therapeutic. Like It's okay if only 300 people see a video I put up. Because first of all, 300 people is a lot of people. But on social media standards, people see that as a failure. That's the other side of social media that really bothers me. Like the capitalistic side, but also this like loss of perspective that as a whole, people that are active on social media, that are concerned with social media, don't 
value hundreds of people. That's not enough. They want thousands and millions to feel validated, to feel important, successful, to have status. Oh, like that in my stomach. It's like a knock. I think this is part of the burnout too, is that I started to feel so used. Maybe this is why the user-generated content, even the word use is in user-generated content (laughs) in two different meanings. But like there's that using element of like people using you to get something. It makes me nauseous. Because for years, I felt used by people who were only giving me attention, who were giving me free things and paying me because they saw value in my numbers. And this went on almost my entire career. In the beginning, I was like, oh, this is part of the deal. This is how social media works. Of course, people care. And I was playing the whole game of building up my numbers and trying to get to certain levels and all the stuff. And I was caught up in that world of taking people seriously because of their numbers. Like, wow, this person has a million followers. I need to spend more time with them. I want to be their friend. I want to learn from them. I want to hear them talk. I want to take their courses. I was so in that world. And then it started to feel so vapid. And when I it got turned on me, like people would say things to me. Oh, you have so many followers. And People would refer to me as eco-vegan gal too. And that over time destroyed me because again, it was like they were seeing me as two different people. They weren't seeing me for Whitney. They were seeing me as my account name, as my avatar. They were seeing the performer. And you know, a lot of people talk about certain celebrities. Like today I saw people talking about Marilyn Monroe and how used she was in really disgusting ways as a woman just objectifying her and things that she went through in her career. I hear this all the time in about Britney Spears, like all the concerns around her. I recently rewatched the Elvis movie and people talking about the whole movie is about his career and how he might have been manipulated and used and all this stuff. That's just so commonplace, like to value somebody based on how much money they can make you or how much success you can get from standing beside them, how much validation you can get from being around somebody who's attractive or successful. And that wore away at me so much over time, so much. And going back to TikTok, my point before I got into this little rant is that the whole TikTok world is just like any other social media platform becoming more and more so where you can leave a comment on a video and get tons of likes on it. And that can give you a sense of validation. I experience this all the time. This happened to me yesterday. For some reason, one of my TikTok comments went, quote, viral. Like last I checked, like 3,000 people liked it within a short span of hours. And that to me, that's viral. (laughs) Whatever your definition of viral is. And there was a high from that. I was like, ooh, I must have said something that really hit with people. That maybe put people like me. But they had nothing happened. It's not like people liked me. They just liked that comment. They liked what I said. But there was like this false sense of like, ooh, maybe if I do more of that, I'm going to get more likes. And those likes feel really good. But then they also feel annoying. <laughs> like every time I went on TikTok just to view videos, I have all these notifications. And I'm like, oh, God, can you stop liking? This is too much. Like I'm done. I got my high. But then isn't that in itself weird? Like it has that opposite effect where we start to perceive other people as annoying. And I'm saying we generalizing. I was experiencing an annoyance because too many people were liking something that I did. (laughs) I have gotten my fill. Thank you very much. I'm done. That's happened to me so many times on TikTok. I've had some comments receive hundreds of thousands of likes. And again, you get that high and you feel so important. You feel special. I keep saying you, I, (laughs) I have felt special and important and smart and not savvy, but like, oh, something I did was, is acknowledged. I felt seen. I felt heard. I felt like other people could relate. And that happened earlier today too. This happens a lot on TikTok. I posted some other little comment on somebody's video And maybe like 50 people liked it. But every time I'd open up the app, another like, another like. And that specific comment made me feel good. 
or the validation I was getting on that comment made me feel good because I felt like, oh, these people must be liking my comment because they feel the same way. And now I'm seeing that I'm not alone. So social media serves that purpose too of feeling, seeing, and heard, and other people are like us. That can feel really good. Sometimes it's the opposite. I'm posting something that's so unusual and people are liking it because they're envying me. I'm posting something to show off. Like I was saying, the performative, look how great I am, look at what I accomplished type of stuff. So that's where I felt so stuck with social media because I don't want to do those things. And that's why I've been experimenting with TikTok lately of just posting these nature videos because I love these nature videos. But it's a weird feeling because there's part of me that's still attached to the validation and feeling a sense of emptiness when they get, quote, just 300 views and just 10 likes and just a couple comments from people I care about. And I'm laughing because if that was in the real world, if I did a performance and 300 people showed up, that would be amazing. And if at that performance, 50 people were cheering like crazy for me after that performance, that would be a win. And if after that performance, five or 10 people came up to me and told me how much they liked the performance, I would feel on top of the world. But social media skewed so much of that to feel like that's not enough. So where do I go from here? That's part of the question that I was trying to get to the root of because I feel this pressure to post on social media. And then I wonder, what if that pressure is not real? What if that pressure is just the lingering side effects of leaving behind something that I did for so long? What if that pressure is not telling me to go back to social media? That reminds me of something that came up in a coaching session I did earlier today with one of my clients who was talking about how they're struggling with doing things that they think people want them to do, like the expectations and the fear of taking care of themselves and how that maybe the self-care conflicts with what other people want of them. And I really can relate to that because I think there's a lot of assumptions that we make about what other people want, what other people expect of us. Right now, there's a lot of pressure with social media. That's just a huge part of our societal culture for many of us, part of our lives to share ourselves. We've become accustomed to not having privacy. We've become accustomed of people knowing everything about us and everything that we do. And I, over the last three years, have actually found a sense of satisfaction in being more private. Like there's certain things I never talk about on this show about my private life. Most of my personal life, I don't share. There are things that you don't know about me because I don't talk about them. They're boundaries for me. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, is it weird that I don't talk about some of these big things in my life? Like I feel like I'm hiding them from you. But no, it's a boundary for me. I want to keep those things private. And some of those things most people in my life don't know about unless they're really close friends. They have no idea. And part of me is like, ooh, I feel a little mysterious in this time where most people share every part of their lives. I'm doing the opposite. I'm not sharing every part of my life. I'm not hiding it. I'm just choosing not to share it. And that in itself is unusual. But I also have a feeling that more and more people are going to do that. More and more people are leaving social media as a whole. That's another draw of a podcast because podcasts right now, I think, have a special place in people's lives. Like people turn to them for education and entertainment and maybe intimacy, connection. Like that's my aim here is mostly to connect with you and also the educational side, especially with my guests. I love that about podcasts. I don't feel that way about social. That was in the beginning stages of social media. I was so excited to educate people on sustainability and plant-based eating. Those two things were not that big back in 2008, 2009. Like there weren't a lot of people talking about those things. So it was thrilling because I was like adding something to the world that was lacking, I thought, or connecting with people that were into the same thing. I mean, the connections I made were immense friendships and relationships and business partnerships and all sorts of things came out of that. And now that it's so commonplace, it's the novelty has worn off for me, but it also doesn't feel as valuable. But a podcast, 
there's lots of podcasts. There's still, it feels to me like blogging felt in 2008 when I was doing that. And I hope that this remains for a while because I feel nourished by it. Maybe it's the novelty. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, I guess all the social media stuff, even newsletters, that's something that I felt a lot of pressure. I paused my newsletters for Wellevator around the same time as I paused social. I think it was in summer of 2022 this year. Maybe it was when I started traveling a lot. It was too much for me to travel and try to manage the social and the newsletters. And I also felt like, do people even care? For so long with newsletters, I felt all this pressure to do email marketing. Like you have to have a newsletter list because what if social media crumbles? How are you going to stay in touch with people? That was like the big mantra that I would say too. You'll definitely find me saying that in the past. <laughs> like, oh, you got to stay in touch. But then I started doing shady shit that I don't align with. I was using emails to like market to people, to sell products and services, to make money. And I'm like, this just doesn't feel good. So that's a very clear thing for me. I don't want to sell. And ironic because I help other people sell. I think I'm just too removed. Like, (laughs) I like helping other people sell as long as I align with what they're selling. But I myself, I don't want to be in sales directly. I don't want to sell other people's products from my account unless they're like athletic greens and I'm like, cool, like they're helping the show. That's how I look at stuff like that. If it's a good product, I'm happy to talk about on this show. For another example is I'll talk about it in an upcoming episode. I just got sent a moon pod and they're this it's a really cool beanbag chair that I've been interested in for a long time. And they were like, hey, we'd love to send you one to talk about it on your podcast. And they're not paying me money. We have an affiliate relationship, which means if you buy a moon pod and you use my link in my show notes, I'll make a commission from it. But like that's nice, but <laughs> that's not a big deal to me. That money is, I'm not dependent on it, but I'm really excited about their product so I can easily talk about it. I think that's just different, but I still need to check myself in the way that I talk about things. Like when I was doing all my ads for Athletic Greens and Zencaster recently, I was like, God, how can I record these ads that are genuine and enthusiastic and not a performance? I sometimes have to stop myself from performing. I'm sure some of those ads came across like a performance. Like that's hard to get out of that. It's just hard to step away from the performance. And maybe that's where I'm at too. I'm curious after all this, if you resonate with this, what is your relationship with social media? I know I was talking about newsletters for a while and I completely left that. I'm also curious like how you feel about emails because part of me feels like maybe sending you emails again would be nice. Maybe people like getting newsletters, but how can I do them in a way that's not a performance and not a sales pitch? (laughs) How can I do them in a way? I don't know. Do people want reminders of what podcast episodes come out? Like that's what I used to do, but it just felt like people didn't care. And then I'm like, I'm spending all this time doing something I don't really want to do. And then other people don't seem to care about it. So why am I doing this? That's a lot of the feeling I started to get mostly with the Wellevator podcast promotions on social media. The only people who seemed to care about me doing podcasts, social media, were the guests on the show. And that I feel a core alignment with. When I go back to social media for this podcast, I just want to make it about the guests because I value the guests that come on the show so much. And so it's kind of like that mentality of shifting of like, why are we doing something? Where's the value? That's the big question. And if the value, if I can go beyond the performance and getting validation, that's where I'm trying to shift to because I want to give the value to you and I want to give the value to, for example, the guests of the show by promoting their episode. But then I'm like, this is my way it goes. Is it valuable to the guests? Are they dependent on the validation? What happens when I promote on social media and it gets five likes? Do they feel disappointed? Is that a disservice to them? Am I adding disappointment to their life? (laughs) Am I doing it just to please them? But do they even really want? Like that's part of where I get so stuck. We're just going through the motions of this whole performance. For what? For what reason? The newsletter I feel a tug towards. There's got to be a way that there is value there. 
I mean, the value could be the reminder. Like I said, like some people just want to be reminded to listen to a show that they enjoy. I'm like seeking out something deeper there with the newsletter and social media that I just haven't hit on. I thought about writing letters and I might experiment with that because the newsletters I like to receive feel informative. I pause there because writing informative newsletters, writing in general really drains me a lot especially when it comes to informative stuff. The reason that's hard and draining for me is because when I try to do something educational, it's like my brain needs every ounce of energy and I feel sucked dry by it. Like if I'm going to write something, it'll take me like an hour at least to write a newsletter. And if like 50 people open up, again, I get into that numbers thing. (laughs) All of this takes so much. I could sit here for an hour easily and do a podcast. That's not draining, but writing, oh, so much. And I thought, okay, well, what if I sat down and verbally wrote it? I guess like the amazing thing I have, a huge privilege for this show is the team that edits the show and does the show notes. So if you go to wellevator.com, There are show notes for every single episode that are written like a blog post. So they actually take the transcript and it feels so meta right now because somebody is literally listening to this episode, taking the transcript of what I'm saying in this moment and turning this into a blog post for you or for anyone on the internet to find. And that's awesome. I guess there's a way that I could take that and put it into a newsletter But then I'm like concerned that that's a performance in itself. Do I start speaking in a certain way that'll sound good in a newsletter? Like, this is why it feels so frustrating. I think a lot of people are going to hear this and think, then just don't do it. But that's the trick. This is why I'm curious how you feel. It's like, it's a little bit of a, I don't know if catch 22 is the right term, where we're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it's not as easy as just not doing something because of the societal pressure and the the ripple effect that that has. For example, when I think about Facebook, I have a lot of friends and family on Facebook. That's like their platform. They don't use TikTok. They probably use Facebook and or Instagram. And they have an expectation in their head, I think, maybe the expectation is the wrong word, but I think they've verbalized to me, this is why I think this, that they wish I posted on social media, mostly Facebook and Instagram, because they want to know what's going on in my life. (laughs) Sometimes I feel resentful of that. I'm like, I'd rather just tell you one-on-one because I don't feel comfortable yet just posting. Like now, I mean, right now, I'm recording a video alongside this podcast episode. And I would be embarrassed if somebody that I knew saw this video that wasn't already a regular listener of my podcast because my hair is up in a messy bun with my gray hairs and it hasn't been combed. It looks like it's not clean, although it is. My hair just has <laughs> my hair just has t- natural greasiness, so I feel self-conscious about that. And I'm wearing some casual shirt and didn't do anything to my face. It feels uncomfortable for me to show up this way on social media. But I think that feels uncomfortable because I'm used to wearing a mask on social media. And so I'm afraid to show up as my unmasked self on social media because I'm afraid of being judged because I feel like there's a standard in which people show up that's not this. Now, plenty of people show up as themselves. Plenty of people, women, men, non-binary, regardless of gender, age, they just show up and they're unconcerned and people love them anyways. That's what I want, but I'm not quite there yet. Maybe that's where all this resistance comes from. And no amount of verbal assurance from other people helps. I think that's part of this all too when I say it's not that easy. Sometimes I record episodes and people that are close to me will message me and say, they'll have like little answers or whatever, like, oh, you're doing great. Or, oh, I like you no matter what you look like or whatever else. And It's just, here I go with the anyone again. Most people can relate to the fact that if you don't like something about yourself, no amount of external validation is going to change that. If you feel confused or upset, lost, stuck, a shift has to come from within and that can take a very long time. And maybe that is the answer I've been seeking by doing this episode. 
maybe these three years are all adding up to something that's going to take even longer for me to come to terms with. Maybe burnout's not even quite the right word for what I felt in terms of social media and newsletters and all being an online content creator, et cetera. Maybe it's just so complex and it's being revealed to me and other people who have these similar feelings over time. And it's not a quick fix. It's not that easy answer. And it's not something that other people can help us figure out. Or maybe they can, but it's a collective figuring out. It's not like, oh, here's the answer. I'm good. And yet I know that I yearn for an easy answer. I yearn for someone to snap their fingers and say, here you go. And suddenly I'm transformed. Flip the switch and I'm good to go. But that's just not the way it is. And that's okay. The great news is all of this is okay. The great news is that all of this social media stuff, I can tell you from being so immersed in that world, even just behind the scenes lately, it's constantly changing. Nobody has it figured out, truly nobody, because it changes so much. And people tend to cling on to things that have already changed, or they cling on to things that have changed for others. For me, Facebook, I have a completely different relationship with Facebook that it's barely there. But back in the day, Facebook was the be-all, end-all. Instagram was the be-all, end-all. Now I'm like, ooh, Instagram. (laughs) That it's all changed for me, but that doesn't mean it's changed for others. And I think that's part of what makes this tough is when you change, but you feel like other people haven't changed, what do you do? It's hard to show up in the world when other people are showing up in ways that no longer serve you, in places that you no longer want to visit. It's confusing. So while I wanted, I think I was at the beginning of this episode looking for that simple answer, but now I feel a sense of relief. It's like, okay, my feelings are valid because this is not simple. This is complex. And that's why I don't have a clear answer because it is complex. That's a metaphor for a lot of things in life. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to go for a walk. (laughs) One thing I've been working on behind the scenes is a journal. I was thinking that my weekly episodes here might be more journaling of thoughts and ideas and resources. And maybe that's what my newsletter, if I do kick off a newsletter again, that's my version of information of just uh, here are things I've been doing and not from a salesy standpoint. I have a content of mine for the moon pod, for example. And I was just thinking how cool, kind of like a vlog style of, of just walking through things I've been doing and trying, but not for a performance and not to sell you on it. If you happen to buy something cool, but what if I can approach things from the standpoint of this is my life? I guess ugh, even that feels a little cringy. Maybe for another episode, like how is that even valuable these days. Everybody's just talking about their lives to one another. But that's kind of at the core of social media. Wasn't that what social media was designed for, just to share with one another and for it all to be valid, for it all to have value, regardless of how many people care? If you can strip away the need for the masses to care, maybe that's where we can return back to I'm going to ponder that while I take my walk. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this. As I started to mention, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all this. There were a lot today. Curious if you have anything else you'd like to add, comment on, share with me. Not looking for answers from you, but just curious how you view it. And you can send that to me through social media, although man, I feel overwhelmed by responding to people. It's funny, ironically, I don't know if it's ironic, but I ask for people to reach out from this podcast. And yet whenever I get a message, I get so overwhelmed about responding. I can't explain it. (laughs) But man, the pressure I feel to respond is really immense. It's like I said, writing in general is really hard. One thing I've practiced maybe in this moment I'm reminding myself of is like the Instagram tool to send an audio message that feels so much easier. 
So maybe I'll start doing that more. So if you want an audio message, a private one from me, send me an Instagram DM to my private account under at Wit Lauritsen or at Wellevator. And those are linked in the show notes at wellevator.com. You can also email me for the same reasons. It can take me a while. I will always say this. I read every message. So if you just want me to hear you, I hear you. <laughs> but if you want to respond, I ask for patience because it is a huge hurdle for me to respond because of how my brain works. That's a whole nother obstacle for me to overcome. But anyways, I truly value you if I haven't conveyed that enough. I love getting to know you. And I know in this episode, that's not what this has been. But when I mean that, like getting the messages, that's the value for me. And for those people who join the private community beyond measure, it's the greatest thing to be able to get to know you. I'm going to wrap things up. I'll be back on Friday with a guest episode. Who do we have? I'm going to look at my schedule. I mean, I say this about every guest, I feel like. (laughs) I haven't even recorded with the guest who's scheduled for this next episode. So I don't know. I think that they're going to be awesome. We'll find out together. Until then, I'm, I'm wishing you all the very best with your life. And that's it. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 